0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Have you joined the Travel Club yet? Well, you wanna do that if you haven't, because you'll be the first to know when we're on the go and you'll get to be part of some fantastic trips, destinations, meet some wonderful people, all of the above. So head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com and make sure you sign up for the Travel Club and join in on the fun. Well, you know when you travel so many things can happen to your skin and so many times we abandon our routines when we travel and it's not advised to do that because our skin still needs that tender loving care when we're traveling as well and probably even more so. So, today, healthcare and beauty consultant Janice Jefferson is joining us with a glow on the go ultimate skincare routine for jet setting beauty. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, let's get into some travel news. <music> Well, the battle has begun with JetBlue Spirit Airlines' antitrust merger trial. It has already started. The airlines are hoping to join to provide greater opposition to the U.S. Big Four, but opponents of the deal fear that it could increase ticket prices. The antitrust trial regarding the merger of JetBlue and Spirit Airlines has finally started after several delays and it will determine whether the merger can actually proceed. The merger has faced opposition from the United States Department of Justice and several states due to concerns about limited choices and higher ticket prices for passengers. The trial, which is expected to last for five weeks, will be a significant decision for both airlines and will determine the future of the proposed merger. The legal process, which is being undertaken in Boston, Massachusetts, is set to last for just over a month and will determine whether the merger will be able to go ahead or be blocked. Now, the merger has faced considerable opposition. The hybrid carrier JetBlue hopes to create a national low fare challenger to the big four airlines through its planned $3.8 billion acquisition of ultra low cost operator Spirit. The airline has high hopes for the deal, stating that it will bring together two airlines and will share the goal of disrupting the industry. However, not everyone is quite keen on that idea when it comes to the prospect of JetBlue Spirit merger. So back in March of this year, the United States Department of Justice filed an antitrust law in order to block the deal. Attorney General Merrick Garland explained the DOJ's rationale by stating that this merger will limit choices and drive up ticket prices for passengers across the country. The campaign against the deal has since gathered further momentum with another four United States joining the lawsuit at the end of March, amid fears that the merger would decimate ultra low cost capacity in the country. It was also at around that time that October was earmarked as the time for the lawsuit trial to go to court. Now, according to Travel Weekly, there's also fears that the supply chain issues and pilot shortages would render it unlikely that other low-cost carriers would be able to replace Spirit's capacity. That being said, JetBlue has agreed to transfer some of Spirit's airport holdings to fellow American ULCC Allegiant airline if the merger goes through. Either way, an immediate decision on the matter is unlikely, given that, as Travel Weekly notes, the legal proceedings that begin are penciled in to last five weeks until December 5. The airlines will hope that this gives them enough time to make their case while defending themselves against DOJ's considerable legal might. In any case, a big decision awaits those involved in the trial. Well, speaking of spirit, it's still moving ahead and it has announced two direct flights to Tulum ahead of the airport opening. The low cost airline will launch daily flights from Fort Lauderdale and Orlando on March 28, 24 to Felipe Carrillo, Puerto International Airport. The new routes will make Tulum the fifth city that the airline serves in Mexico following Cancun, Cabo San Lucas, Monterrey, and Porto Vallarta. Tickets are on sale on Spirit's website for as low as $149 one way. Though they are marked as subject to government approval, Spirit will use an Airbus A320 for its inaugural flights, which can seat 182 passengers. The announcement comes nearly two weeks after Delta Airlines announced it intended to fly to Tulum from its mega hub at Hartsville Jackson Atlanta International Airport. However, Spirit will become the first ultra low carrier to launch nonstop routes to that new airport, which is about 65% complete as of September 23. Now a day before Spirit announced the new route, the ultra low cost carrier also reported a $157.6 million net loss in its quarter three earnings, citing softer demand for its products and discounted fares. Additionally, the proposed JetBlue Spirit merger has been on trial since October. If approved, the merger would give the combined airlines a larger share of their Florida markets. Well, there are five one-of-a-kind hotels coming very soon. So you may want to check them out. This will happen late 2023 and early 2024. It's the Waldorf Astoria Seychelles Platte Island. It's going to be a luxurious hotel. The Waldorf Astoria Seychelles Platte Island is set to open in early 24 and will be on a private island with pristine beaches that have become a sanctuary for wildlife, such as hawksbill turtles, which come to lay their eggs in the sand and the resort's villas were built a safe distance away from the breeding grounds and feature private pools, outdoor showers and outdoor dining areas. It will also have multiple gardens that will grow fruits and vegetables for use in their properties, six restaurants and bars. Then there's the Longfellow Hotel. It's a boutique hotel named after Portland native and wordsmith Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And it's making news in the city as the first independent full service hotel to open in two decades, and this is according to Architectural Digest. The 48-room Boutique Hotel is scheduled to open in early January 24, along with its restaurant, the Twin Flower Cafe, and the Five Clubs, a salon-style lounge that will serve beer, wine, cocktails, and small bites. Then there's Shella Tulum, which will bring the outdoors in. It actually opened in November this month. It's a 12-suite beachfront resort in the Mexican Caribbean, and it has rooms that open up so the sea breeze can enter. The minimalist design enhances the ocean views, and each suite offers its own perks. So you get a 360-degree look at the jungle and sea, and guests can head to Shella Tulum's rooftop, a natural gathering spot. Fountain Blue Las Vegas will have more than 30 restaurants, lounges and bars. The Fountain Blue Las Vegas is pure desert glitz. It's been a long time coming with construction. First starting 14 years ago, it's a 67 story resort. will have 3,655 rooms and it opens December 13th. It will be the tallest occupiable building on the Las Vegas Strip, according to Travel and Leisure. And this list, by the way, is curated by Travel and Leisure as well. Every guest room has floor-to-ceiling windows and soaking tubs with marble and mercury glass accents. The hotel's massive casino will stretch across 150,000 square feet, complete with soaring 42-foot high ceilings and a massive chandelier as its centerpiece. It's not a Vegas hotel without a pool and the Fountain Blues Six Acre Complex. We'll also have four bars, two restaurants and a gaming space. And lastly, 100 Princes Street. It's an extensive restoration and renovation in bringing new life to 100 Princes Street in Edinburgh, Scotland, set to open in spring of 24. And this will be the Red Carnation Hotel Collection's first property in Scotland and an excellent spot directly facing Edinburgh Castle. Its historic building was once a Royal Overseas League and the design team worked with local artisans to create one-of-a-kind furniture, artwork and fabrics. It includes a mural featuring Scottish explorers and special tartan to help bring out the property's rich heritage. Condé Nast Traveler put together a list of fall travel deals. Yes, it's still fall, folks, all the way until December. And fall is such a great time to travel because there are typically some wonderful travel deals. So here are the ones that... Conde Nast Traveler put together. In the category of flight deals, college students can save on Lufthansa's flights and baggage fees. Students also earn one free piece checked luggage and the option to get refund without fees. Now the program applies to students in college who are over the age of 16. And Frontier Airlines have some really low, low, low one-way flight sales. Autumn sales are in full swing with Frontier can get flights as low as $19 between select locations on select dates. So it's really great to put in your dates and put in a time range of flexibility and to see where Frontier has these ultra low rates. You can save 30% on vacation packages with Spirit Airlines. So a lot of times, airlines have great vacation packages that you can bundle with their airfares. Save up to 40% on hotel stays with Etihad Airways stopover package. You know, these stopover packages are sometimes really great because people may use an airline to go to a further destination and not stay at the stopover. So to get people to do that, they offer some great deals. In the vein of train deals, You can save up to $500 on 2024 rail vacations around the globe. Vacation by rails all aboard in 24 sale is offering anywhere from $100 to $500 off select. 2024 vacation packages. Save 700 on children's bookings for a scenic train tour through the Southwest. You can ride Amtrak's range of ongoing sales, tickets for their Downeaster train, which runs about five round trips between Boston and Maine each day. They have special discounts that run through December 23. And riders can also enjoy up to 20% in savings on train rides booked at least seven days in advance. Then there are tour deals in the tour category. Save up to $600 on tours with EF Go Ahead Tours, early Black Friday sale. They have destinations like Safari in Kenya, Rainforest in Belize, several European regions. There's also the early birds that can save 10% on 2024 Trafalgar tours, booking now through December 14th for several 2024 packages. Now hotel deals get third night free, at Luxury Cabo Resort, the Retreat to Corazon Resort and Spa in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. 20% off at Ace Hotels when you pay early. Save 10% at Omni Hotels on two nights stay. Get half off second room for kids at International Marriott Hotels. Book a suite for Lowe's hotels and get extra on site perks. Bundle flights with Atlantis Bahamas Resort Stay and save up to $300. Save 15% or more on spontaneous bookings with booking.com. So, again, take advantage of the discounts for fall <laughs> and travel. Well, that's all I've got for travel news, and when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and beauty consultant, Janice Jefferson, on how to glow on the go with your ultimate skincare routine for jet-setting beauty. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the Travel Club because we go to some fantastic places and we would like to have you come with. Also, check out our social media pages and follow us and share your travels with us as well. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. John Lang of John's Finance Tips on TikTok has explained how everyone can take at least 54 days off next year. Now, of course, there are some caveats to this, but according to Lang, he's got a secret. He understands the power of federal holidays. For example, it should be noted that not actually getting more days off following Lang's advice, but instead he's suggesting a method of maxing out long weekends and other holidays, typically given as paid time off by employers. This is along with your vacation days. So typically, as we understand, not everyone gets these days off and not everyone works a Monday through Friday schedule, but if so, Lang suggests that you start the year off on January 2nd to give you four consecutive days off. Then he suggests taking January 16th off, which is a Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day for another four-day weekend. And in February, he said to take February 16th off to give yourself another four-day weekend for President's Day and then wait until May to take off more time. But that's okay, because Lang explained you can ask for May 24th off the Friday before Memorial Day for a nice long four-day weekend. Now comes June, where one of the biggest opportunities of the year can be found for paid time off, according to Lang. He suggested taking off June 17, 18, 20, and 21. Juneteenth, celebrations are sandwiched in between there. This will give you another nine consecutive days. And in 24, July 4th falls on Thursday, so taking Friday, July 5 off will give you another four consecutive days off. In September, you can also request Tuesday, September 3rd, the day after Labor Day, for a four day weekend. In October has noted the long weekend Indigenous People's Day without asking for additional time. Then in November, You have Veterans Day on November 11th for another three-day weekend. And if you requested Friday following Thanksgiving, November 29, you get another four consecutive days off. And then finally, in December, he noted we could all get another nine consecutive days off just by requesting December 23, 24, and December 26 and 27 off around Christmas. So biggest piece of advice he adds is to try to get these requests in early. Hmm, let's see how that works. This is Javon and that was your Travel Minute. One thing we have to do is take care of our skin. Oftentimes when we travel, we kind of leave some of our daily routines and habits behind. But the big thing is that we really shouldn't. Well, joining me today is a dear friend and health and beauty professional, Janice Jefferson. As I said, independent beauty consultant, health and beauty specialist, dental hygienist, beautiful person, longtime friend, and seasoned traveler. Yes, she's one of the travel club. Hello, Janice, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Oh,
1: Javon, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be with you on your show. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Well, one thing I've always admired about you is that you have beautiful skin. And then I learned soon after just complimenting you on your skin, I am a health and beauty consultant. (laughs) So what took you in that direction? What gave you the passion for skincare?
1: That is a very interesting question. And guess what? It stems from the dental hygiene piece. As a practicing dental hygienist, I was seeing skin along with teeth every day up close and personal under the dental light. And that got me started. That got me started aside from the fact that my mother and grandmother took care of their skin with a lot of diligence and not a lot of products, but very basic skincare routine every day, morning and night. And I caught the bug from them early. And then I was seeing skin every day in my profession, in the dental hygiene profession. And my first opportunity was with Johnson & Johnson, Johnson Products from Chicago, Illinois. They opened up the area here in the mid-Atlantic states. And I was one of their first to open it up, the business here in the states with uh, color cosmetics for women of color. That was in 1978. I will wow. give a date.
0: Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's OK. But it's also super important to understand the differences in skin as well, because for so long we struggled women of color. And it doesn't matter whether we have lighter skin or medium or copper tone or brown or deep chocolate, whatever that skin tone is, we have a variance of skin and skin care needs. And that's why we were super excited when companies like Johnson and Johnson came out. But everybody needs skin care. And we were just happy to be included in that process and recognizing that skin care is diverse and varied. So let's talk about keeping your skin healthy while you travel, because that's a difference, because we are moving to different places and we're experiencing different things.
1: Yes, we are. So I call this have skin, will travel, because we can't shed it. (laughs) We've got skin. It's the largest organ of the body. Number one, it's there for protection. It protects us from bacteria, protects us from toxins, and it protects us from temperatures. So that is the main function of the skin. And we need to be aware, and how do we do that, especially when we're traveling? Well, you're taking your skin with you on a trip. So if you have looked at your trip as a special treat for yourself, think of it also as a special treat for your skin. So I've got a lineup of things, Javon, like top, 15 items that you should probably travel with and a few bonuses. Okay, let's talk first
0: about some of those challenges that we face Um, and how they impact our
1: skin. Well, let's talk about the challenge of most of us when we travel, many of us are going to a climb that is hot, sunny, humid. And for, for that temperature or that climb, you would of course need water. I travel with my water, I recommend that travelers Consider traveling with at least a liter of water once you get on the plane or pack it in your suitcase because we can't carry it on the plane. So a liter of water will keep you hydrated on the inside. Then you go into a hot climate. Take your atomizer. Take your thermal spring water that's usually in a spray can, non-aerosol or a pump, and you can spritz your skin on the plane. You can spritz your skin off the plane when you're out at the beach. You want to add moisture to those 10,000 pores that we have on our face alone. 10,000 pores. Can you imagine? Wow. So they need to be split and that will keep you nice and moist and hydrated. And then don't forget your sunglasses. The sunglasses help and UV sunglasses at that to protect you from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. You want your skin around the eyes to be protected, and that is really one of the second main reasons for wearing your sunglasses. One is to protect the cornea, the eye itself from sun damage, and then the other important fact why we wear sunshades is to protect the skin around the eye, which can also be affected by the ultraviolet rays and the UV rays that burn us. So we've got two different rays that are burning, UVB and UV. Those rays are the ones we're protecting against with large sunglasses. So not only do they make a fashion statement, they protect us from damage.
0: Well, and I was going to say, especially on that long ride, one thing, having those big glasses on will really help camouflage some things. And as you said, it is a fashion (laughs) statement, but fashion and function go very well together.
1: That is correct. Another thing, Javon, that I wouldn't leave the house without, and this is for men as well, and that is your hand cream. So you want your hands to be lubricated and you want to have a product that smells good to you. Or if you happen not to like fragrances or have an allergy to them, we have fragrance-free hand creams. That goes right in your pocketbook. And depending on the amount that you're carrying with you, you should be just fine. I'm sure the amount is, what, three or four ounces now? They've increased it a little bit. So you can get away with taking a little bit more in your pocketbook, but I recommend a good hand cream for your hands while you're traveling because you are picking up papers and your hands are just exposed. You're picking up luggage. You're just moving. Yeah, and you're washing your and hands you're washing a lot. Your hands and you're sanitizing with the gels.
0: Yeah, and the soaps on the plane and at different places
1: are not so moisturizing, and they're some of the most drying soaps I've ever encountered. Oh, that is a good point. Thank you for that. That is a very good point. Yep. So hand creams, the nourishing shea creams go a long way, either with fragrance or non. Should we talk about our lips as well? No. dealing
0: with that airplane air, airplane air is very drying. Even I can feel it in my throat, how dry the air is, or even in my nasal passages, I can feel how dry the air is on the plane. And so, yes, let's talk about the lips because I, for one, have an issue with chapped lips all the time.
1: Okay. And this is the time to get started with your lip care. So the lips, as lip tissue goes, there are no oil glands in the lips. So we need to address that with lubricants, with balms, with balms that actually moisturize, not just sit there. And we also need to exfoliate them. So I recommend a two set of lip care. One is to exfoliate the dead skin, the dead tissue, so that the new tissue can come to the surface and then one to keep that new surface that comes to the surface nice and moist with a lip balm. Shea butter does a good job. Shea butter balm for the lips. Uh huh. And that's before you get to the beach. So, this is your everyday care. You want to exfoliate as often as you need to. It's an individual thing. You might be on a once a week program with your exfoliation, but the lip balm is a morning and night, and that will get your lips in good condition. And of course, for women who are wearing lipsticks and lip balms that are nourishing and moisturizing, that's a good thing. It further locks in the moisture. If you're going to the beach, I'd recommend your sunscreen, of course, for your skin, but your lips, don't forget your lips. They don't have any oil glands. There's no protection for them from the sun. You want to do a lip protector sunscreen, one that has at least an SPF, sun protection factor of 15. Your sunscreen should be sun protection factor of 50 or above. And it's applied every 20 minutes.
0: If I can ask you, and I don't know if we know this, but When you see, for example, that number, like SPF 50 or SPF 100 or SPF 30, what is that determination? What does it do for you and what does that number mean and what numbers should we select?
1: It means that you're protected 50 times over not having anything on. It means that it's SPF 15. You're protected 15 times over not having anything on your lips. So it's the strength of the protection from the sun's damaging rays, the UVB rays and the UVA rays. The UVA rays are the ones that age us. The UVB rays are the ones that burn us. They both come from the sun and cause damage. So those protection factors are the ones that, (laughs) yes, they will protect you at that strength, 50, 70, 60. So
0: we need to think of both. Protection against aging and protection against burning.
1: Yes, and your broad spectrum sunscreen will have that. It will have both the protection against aging, the UVA rays and the UVB rays. It's a broad spectrum that you're looking for, a sunscreen product that's broad spectrum.
0: Should we use one different for our face, lips and body? Should there be different
1: ones? Okay, well of course the lip screen is definitely for the lips only. The other one probably wouldn't taste good and may have some toxins in it that you wouldn't want to eat. So the lip screen is going to be for the lips. The body care is for body and you might find one for the face alone. Otherwise, I have been using the same one for the body and my face. And during the day with your moisturizers, your tinted moisturizers, most of your moisturizers do have a sun protection factor in them. So they do have sunscreen in them. If you're watching your labels, Look for, and if you're not allergic, look for the product that has, from the daytime moisturizer that has an SPF and a sunscreen within. Well, that's certainly good to know
0: because sometimes we just don't know what products to use and what that number really means. And is it really a hundred percent? Because I've read some things that says, you know, once you go above 50, it's not really that big of a difference. And are you getting less skincare? care? Are you trading one for the other, for example, like more SPF, but less actual skin care?
1: Okay, well, we certainly shouldn't be trading one for the other. And there may be some skin types, Javon, that need the higher blockage, like very, very fair skin or skin that burns within a certain time frame. They may need the higher block. Okay, well, that's certainly good to know. So there is some benefit. Yeah, there is some benefit to those But those who need it, those sensitive skins from northern climes, say Sweden, Norway, that culture that has very, very fair skin and very sensitive skin to hot sun, they might need something a little stronger than 50. I'm not from those
0: regions, but I use 100 Mm -hmm. on my face, to be honest with you, because my face actually burns quicker than the rest of my body. So I'll usually use
1: something higher for my face. So there some of
0: us with a little melanin have an I think issue that's, as I well. Think that's,
1: absolutely. That is true. Yeah. Having melanin doesn't mean that we don't burn. It just means we have a little more natural protection against burn, but it does not mean that we don't need to cover ourselves with uh protective, with a broad spectrum sunscreen. Okay. You're absolutely right.
0: Are we finished with our beach list? Because there are so many different varying climates and sometimes we are very conscious about the sun and the beach and those warm weathers because we're spending more Mm -hmm. time outside, but there's some other climates that can present some problems
1: for us too. Yes, and that would be your cold climates. (laughs) Yes, and those cold climates will require you to do your exfoliation of the dead skin cells that need extra sloughing because as we mature, we don't shed our skin like we did as children. And if you can remember, being a child and taking a bath and leaving a bath ring, that was because your young skin was shedding all over the place and causing a bath ring combining with the soap. Uh And now we can take a bath for weeks. We can take a shower for weeks and not really have a ring in the tub, if you notice, for those of us who still have tubs. (laughs) But um, we need the extra slumping. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So as we mature, we don't slump as much and we need help. With the exfoliation products, the scrubs, the almond scrubs, all kinds of scrubs, and the scrubbing mitts and the scrubbing gloves, they help to keep the skin exfoliated, smooth, so that the new skin can show itself. What other issues
0: can cold weather
1: present? It creates drying, extreme drying. So after exfoliation, you'd want to use some type of silkening shea lotion or body cream, something that locks your moisture in in addition to being on a good water regimen at home, having some good water hygiene habits. And I mean close to a gallon a day, two, three liters for sure. Mm. So you'd want to lock the moisture in with a nice lotion on the outside or a body cream. You'd also at nighttime, especially if you're traveling to drier and very cold climbs, you'd want to use an extra emollient night cream. That's for your hands, your feet, knees, elbows. That also further locks your moisture in. And at nighttime, those dry, dry climates, even not so dry climates will love a nice silk or silk-like pillowcase for your facial skin and your hair because that way the silk does not take the natural moisture out of the hair and skin. And you want a nice high thread count for your sheets that you're sleeping on at night. So the higher thread count of the sheets, the smoother your skin will be, the more moisture your skin will retain.
0: Okay, well, I'm buying new
1: sheets. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> silk, silk like, or and or the highest thread count your money can buy. Well, Will I do, do the have
0: truth. the satin pillowcase, but I don't travel with one. Maybe I need okay. to add that to my travel bag as well, so that I'll have my own.
1: Absolutely, I won't go a place without it. <laughs> I, I mean, I do have a bonnet that I silk wear. or silk like <laughs> bonnet is good, but we need that protection for our facial skin and neck. Otherwise, the cotton is drawing the moisture out of the skin. And the higher the thread count, you've got a little more protection.
0: And I'm so just thinking... So anything that feels
1: smooth on your skin is that it's the moisture mm-hmm.
0: And And I'm just thinking, you know, if you're at different hotels, you don't know what detergents and things they're using either. And so that's something to consider. And they're very easy to travel with because they fold up very nicely. So... It's a good idea to bring one of those pillowcases with you.
1: Absolutely. On all of my trips with you, I've done that. (laughs) That's why your skin is so
0: beautiful. Let's talk about different skin types and skin care when you're traveling. Because if you have dry skin versus oily skin or a combination or even normal, you're going to have those certain routines at home. But then what should you take on the road with you, especially if you're combating those different climates or conditions? So let's first talk about dry skin.
1: So for dry skin and any skin, number one, you'll want to take your nail brush with you. You want to start your skincare routine with clean hands and nails. So let's get the hand brush, the nail brush that travels with you so that you can keep your hands and nails pristine, clean. All right? For dry skin, they've got the same amount of pores as normal combination or oily. And that's about 10,000. So for those 10,000 pores, you'll want to, first of all, take your makeup off with an oil-free makeup remover, one that doesn't get stuck in the pores. We call that non-comedogenic. You'll want to get one that's fragrance-free. You'll want to get the 100% cotton pads. We used to use cotton balls back in the day. Now they flatten flattened them out. You have more area and they feel better going on the skin. You can actually cover a lot of area with the cotton rounds. So you want to take all your makeup off. It will save your product. You won't use as much cleanser if you take all of the makeup off first. Eye makeup, foundation, lipstick, lip liner, mascara, everything comes off first. Then you'll want to go into your Routine, carrying your travel products, travel size. That way it keeps the weight down of your luggage. And you'll want to have your cleanser. You'll want to have your moisturizers day and night. You'll want to have your eye cream. You'll want to have your serum, your firming, speaking to the skin that is maturing now. So you'll want to have a firmer. It's called an advanced lifting serum. So those are the five products that fit well in travel size in your bag. That's for dry skin, that's for oily skin. Oily skin has more of a concern in that the 10,000 pores are still there, but they're larger. Mm. And there's a bacterial problem with pores and bacteria being trapped in those larger pores. And that's where you'll need a different product, an acidic gel that will help counteract the bacteria and help to close the pores and fight reaction or pimples. So your combination and oily skin has the same amount of pores. It just needs a little more care with removal of the product, cleansing, and then adding the gel to counteract the bacteria that could get trapped in the pores causing breakout. So normal skin, normal routine. Remove the makeup first. It makes your product, your cleansers last longer. It also saves your sheets and your pillowcases and as well as the hotels. You don't want to get mascara and lipstick all over the sheets. You know what I mean? We sure don't want to sleep in it because it will get trapped in those pores and it's just not nice for the skin. You want to remove all that. So remove product with the oil-free makeup removers and the pads. Cleanse your skin. Go into your lifting serum routine or if you are oily skin, you'll go into your toner routine and your gel. And then you want to follow up with a moisturizer, always a moisturizer. All skin types need to be moisturized from the outside. Your water and foods are going to moisturize from the inside. But you'll need to lock everything in with your nighttime moisturizer. You don't skip it. There's one for day with the SPF, your sunscreen usually is in a daytime product. And at nighttime, you have other products, other good things that help our skin while we're sleeping, helps it to rejuvenate. Some of the products for daytime serum wise could be a vitamin C and E product to add the C for brightening and the E for resilience. These are all vitamins that the skin loves. And if it can get it in a serum, it will take it. Those 10,000 pores will eat it up. (laughs) (laughs) May I recommend that we travel with some extra washcloths for the face. White, you can get them from the Dollar Tree. They're only $1.25. You may get a packet of 510 for $1.25 and use those as your further cleansing cloth. So I like using my hands. In addition to your hands, you can also get more of the everyday outside environmental pollutants off of your skin with a white cloth, washcloth for your face, not your body. Different cloth for the body from the face.
0: I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from today as far as the Mm -hmm. travel... Cloth and finding them at a very <laughs> inexpensive place, travel with them and get them for all of your travels. Because, uh-huh. two things I will tell you sometimes, you know, when you're going to different hotels, again, you don't know the detergents that they're using and using their washcloths and things. And then there are a lot of destinations and hotels where you don't get a washcloth at all. <laughs> so,
1: traveling That's with your true. own, that is so true. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Rare commodity these days. Rare commodity. And how long do we have to wait for bath cloths? You know, you might go to dinner and make your request. It still might not be there when you get back. There's a shortage. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but talking about those extra pollutants and things that we put in. So thank you for that. And there's one thing that I didn't mention in your introduction that I want to make sure that everyone knows is that you are a long time and you're an independent beauty consultant and sales director with Mary Kay Cosmetics. And so I want to make sure that everyone knows that. And from your experience with the Johnson products being trained, we won't mention the year again, we did this. <laughs> but that tells you the number of years and experience that you have with skincare. What are the must haves in our travel bag for skincare?
1: A liter of water, your can of spray atomizer for your skin to give it extra moisture, your large sunglasses, UV sunglasses, your nail brush, your hand cream, your oil free makeup remover. Your lip care, the exfoliator and the balm, your sunscreen and your lip screen with the SPF of your choosing, 50 or above. Your travel size skincare set with your cleanser, your day and night moisturizers, your eye cream and your lifting serum. Don't forget your travel white clogs for your face, your body exfoliation scrub and lotion or body cream. Maybe a little tube of your extra emollient night cream, which you can put lovingly on your hands, knees, and elbows and feet. Oh, we don't want to forget the silk or silk-like pillowcase and the exfoliation mitt. If
0: somebody wants to follow you right away on social media, what's your IG handle?
1: It is Janice F. Jefferson, lowercase.
0: And that's Janice with a Y, folks. So uh, Janice F. Jefferson, Instagram. Also, you can find her on Facebook as well. But we're going to get that list curated for you. And if you're on our mailing list, you will get that list sent over to you. And you can connect with Janice on how you can really put your bag together and get some wonderful products as well. Thanks again for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Javon. It's been a pleasure. So much fun.
0: When we come back, I've got the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley make sure you head on over to the website travelingculturati.com and be sure to join the travel club because we go to some fantastic places. And I have to tell you, it is still revenge travel, to be honest with you, because we are already booked up through 2024. So I hope you can join us on some of those ventures and also make sure that you follow us on social media. Well, I love talking about travel, you know that, and so I'm super excited to have someone on with me, and I'm just anxious to chat with Allison Johnson, who is a senior editor for National Geographic Books, and I've been enthralled in this book that I have that I'm going to tell you all about. It is super wonderful, huge book, but you know, in this day and age, we're not many things are coming with hard covers and magazines. (laughs) It's just great to have a coffee table book. This is a great coffee table book. Hello, Allison, and welcome to Traveling Culturati.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. And again, I'm not kidding when I say that. I'm just really glad that National Geographic has published this and it's already on my coffee table. And, you know, when I get visitors, people want to pick it up and look through it. So they haven't gone away with everything being online and electronic. (laughs) People still (laughs) like to feel books in their hands. (laughs) We do. We do. And,
2: you know, nothing can beat a real hardcover book, especially with the beautiful National Geographic photography. So we have to keep them going.
0: Absolutely. Well, the title of this book is Best of the World, 1000 Destinations of a Lifetime. How fascinating is that? Now, you are a senior editor for National Geographic Books, and there are several things that you publish, but what type of publications are we talking about?
2: So National Geographic as a whole, we publish books across the categories. We publish history, science, space, health and wellness, and travel as well. And my specialty is our travel book program as well as our cookbook program that we do. So I work across all of our travel titles and food titles at National Geographic. Uh,
0: well, talking about the book at hand, best of the world, 1000 destinations of a lifetime. How new is this publication?
2: It is a brand spanking new book, but it is created from 10 years of national geographic content. So every year since 2012, National Geographic has been publishing our best of the world list, which is the 23 best places to go in the upcoming year. And then subsequent content after that every year of best of destinations and lists. And so for this book, for best of the world, we went back through a decade of National Geographic's best of the world and curated 1000 of those destinations To create this book, which we revetted all the destinations to make sure they stayed in the best of the world standard and that we felt that they would be evergreen best of the world for years to come. Because unlike a magazine and a digital platform, this book is something you will hopefully have on your coffee table for years to come and be able to turn to again and again for those bucket list destination ideas.
0: It is so gorgeous. When I opened the box, I was just so excited. And immediately, one of the first things you want to do, of course, is look at the pictures and then you start reading. But I like that while it says best of the world, 1,000 destinations of a lifetime, even though it says that, it really does have some other categories. And so it's not without considering the world and sustainability and things of that nature as well. That's what I love about it.
2: Yeah, you know, we really look at best of the world through a national geographic lens. And so that means Is it eco-friendly or sustainable? Is there a cultural component to these destinations that's worth seeing and experiencing? Are you looking at a unique point of view from a history perspective? Are you going on an adrenaline rushing adventure? And those are really key categories for National Geographic and choosing these destinations that we feature. And then we divide the book up by type of traveler you are, which is what I love about it. We don't all travel for the same reason. Some of us love going on a foodie trip. Some of us really love museum hopping. And so we kept that in mind in creating this book in that we divided it up into five chapters, wonders of nature for the nature lovers and wildlife seekers, cultural heritage for those who like to really immerse themselves in a place, dynamic cities for people who love urban excursions, family-friendly trips, and then those adrenaline adventure vacations. And so really our hope here is that there's something for every type of traveler in this book, both domestic and abroad.
0: What was that criteria?
2: You know, it was tricky. I think the big thing we wanted to look for was diversity of locations. You know, they can't all be in North America. They can all be in Europe, spreading it around to make sure we're covering all parts of the globe. And also not only those four factors that I was talking about earlier about sustainability and culture and history, but seeing the world through the lens of diversity in terms of landscapes as well, where you're going, what you're doing, and making sure we have that geological diversity. We're covering all seven continents in the book. We do have Antarctica in here as well. And also making sure there's something for travelers who might not be as willing to go far-flung places. So for North American readers, there's plenty in the U.S., there's plenty in Canada, plenty in Mexico as well. Having that diversity of options and breadth of experience was really key in selecting these thousand destinations because we didn't feature every country in the world, but we got most of them in there. And then within each country, there's very specific destinations that you can go to, to have these once-in-a-lifetime opportunities.
0: Yes. Now, of course, there are exotic places that offer adventure trips but can you give us an example of something like that that would give us like that adventure trip something that's kind of unique and special
2: yeah you know one that comes to mind for sure it's very unique and this is one of those truly once in a lifetime and many people won't actually get there. I always think of Bhutan as a great example of this. Bhutan is very hard to get to. The flight itself is an adventure because you're flying into the Himalayas and it's very limited. Who can get a tourist visa there? There's very limited tourism visas every year. They're very expensive, though this year they actually cut the price in half to open to more tourists. And part of the reason is they've limited tourism to help preserve their cultural traditions and heritage. And so what that means is if you do have the opportunity to get there, you are going to have an adventure of a lifetime in that cultural immersion and really experiencing a new way of life. You're going to visit monasteries. You're going to see if you go at the right time of year, chili peppers drying out on rooftops. It's really incredible. And I think if you can't get there, the beauty of the best of the world book is that you can go there from your armchair. We have that beautiful National Geographic photography to show you what it's like and the wonderful storytelling along with it to really highlight what an experience would be.
0: Because, you know, we have a whole generation that kind of forced to be digital, some begrudgingly. (laughs) And so, again, they like to have these coffee table books or reference books to look through. And some of these same people aren't as mobile as they used to be. So it's really great to have that. And it's good to know that there's still some places out there that are keeping a watchful eye and managing to avoid overtourism because that's now becoming a problem that a lot of some of our more popular destinations are facing today, like Venice, for example, and trying to preserve the canals and lessen the ships that are coming in and the over-tourism that they're receiving. So there's still, like you said, Bhutan, some places that are making sure to keep the authenticity and serenity of their destinations.
2: Absolutely. And you know, we have those tried and true best of the world destinations like Rome and Venice in the book, because they are can't miss destinations to visit, but we did want to put in those hidden gems, those places that are working to preserve their heritage and culture in, a, in very unique ways and managing to do so, because there really are truly authentic experiences to be had around the world and in places you don't hear about often. And we wanted to highlight those just as much as those tried and true standouts.
0: You mentioned earlier places that are closer to home. What was the qualification for those places in the United States or closer to home The Yeah, I think
2: especially in the United States, we were looking for a lot of sustainability and ecotourism in the U.S. because certain places do it better than others domestically. We also were trying to find really great natural experiences. So, you know, national parks pop up a lot in this book because they truly are kind of the greatest natural experiences throughout the United States. And another factor we were looking for was adventure. You know, I use Utah as an example of one of the states that we feature in Best of the World because it is an adventure capital of the United States. A lot of people think of it for skiing, which of course it's great for, but there's also mountain biking and fly fishing and hiking to waterfalls and slot canyons for spelunking. So it's a really unique destination in its diversity of experiences. And that's what kind of made a domestic location hit the list. Does it offer those similar national geographic experiences while you're out there and exploring?
0: One of the things that I saw and I was skimming through the books, especially as it relates to the United States, are the waterways, because I think we forget about our waterways here.
2: We do, you know, and we have a lot of great rivers and natural wonders. There's a great loop that is actually a full loop around kind of the mid to eastern coast of the United States. And it was an industrial waterway for years and years. And now... It could be a great tourism waterway, but we often forget about that. And similarly, we have the Colorado River. We have the Sawtooth River with whitewater rafting. And we have easier rivers, the Mississippi among them, where you can take little river cruises. And we often forget that's part of our makeup.
0: Yeah. And one page that I went to, because I just discovered for myself last year, bourbon, I've been on this bourbon journey myself. I didn't realize how much it was made into cocktails and things like that, but you have it in the book as America's native spirit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So if you haven't done it and you're getting into bourbon, it is worthwhile. It runs up to 20 some stops of distilleries throughout Kentucky. And it's really truly iconic Americana while you're out there tasting these bourbons. And I'm not a bourbon drinker myself, But I have a lot of family that loves their bourbon and a few who have done this trail. And it's truly a one of a kind experience.
0: Yeah, I haven't done the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. However, as I said, I've been on a tasting journey, if you will, (laughs) of, of bourbon. But I have gone to a couple of tastings at different places, but I haven't done the trail. And I'm really looking forward to that. I have to tell you, I haven't been able to put it down since I've received it and looking forward to going through it more in depth, but it is just so beautifully and wonderfully done because as you've mentioned several times that it's not just about go here, go here, but it's more than the destination. It's the experience, it's information, it's education, and it's all of that all in this one book. So How do we get a copy?
2: So they are available wherever books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite independent bookstore, they will have it in stock. And you can also find out more information on Instagram at Nat Geo Books.
0: It is National Geographic's Best of the World, 1000 Destinations of a Lifetime. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Ladies and